Hello and thank you for downloading the Unexpected World of Business podcast. Welcome to what we're quite grandly calling Season 2 of the podcast. We haven't been able to do one in a while, so we thank you for sticking with us. But I'm reliably informed, nothing much happened in 2020 anyway. My name's Tom and this week I'll be talking to Professor Adrian Palmer about the effects of Covid on the travel industry. You're listening to the Unexpected World of Business podcast. Brought to you by Henley Business School. So, hello, Professor Adrian Palmer. Hello. Thank you very much for coming coming in today, I was about to say. But um, you're still at home. I'm working at home, like most people, and slowly getting used to it. Yeah, I keep on still thanking people for coming in, but we can't travel, which is what we're talking about today. We're talking about the travel industry and how it's adapted with COVID and the pandemic. And so um, I think the first question, what happened to the travel industry when the pandemic hit? Well, it pretty well came to a full stop. And this was quite unusual because the pandemic affected the whole world. Uh, the, the travel and tourism sector has, has seen many crises before. Um, um, think of 9-11, think of, of regional terrorism incidents, think of economic recessions. But this time around, the pandemic affected travel and tourism throughout the whole world. And that was pretty significant uh, because it, it estimated that t- the tourism sector as a whole accounts for uh, about 10% of, of global GDP or about one in 10 jobs throughout the world. So that's a very significant and sudden impact on the world economy to have travel and tourism suddenly stopping. So where is, where is the industry now? What's, where, where, where is it at now? Well, it, it's, it's mostly laid up. Um, a lot of staff in the sector, and we're talking about worldwide here, uh, have been laid off. Um, some schemes of some countries have got quite generous furlough schemes. Um, other countries have uh, simply laid off a lot of staff. A lot of assets have been tied up. So you travel around the world, you'll see uh, fields full of aircraft which have been parked up, um, hotels which have been boarded up, cruise ships. Um, and there's a very good site. If you go off the south coast of England, you'll see uh, the cruise ships moored in Pool Bay, uh, for, for example. Um, they're not earning any money. So there's a lot of unused or underutilised assets at the moment in the sector. And so because of that, that's obviously going to bring about some huge amounts of change within the industry, both in short term and long term. What do you think? What do you see those short term kind of uh, changes being? Well, we have to look at a whole range of, of horizons. Um, short term could be, um, when's the lockdown due to end in Britain? Is it March the 29th or something? Um, there will be some gradual easing um, and there will be some pioneers uh, who will be uh, keen to get out, uh, to get away from lockdown. Uh, so it's, it's going to be quite complex um, because we, we've got to look at um, a, a number of, of, of dimensions. We've got to look at um, how this is going to pan out over time. And we've got to look at how the balance between supply and demand is going to pan out over time. Uh, and it may be, for example, that there are going to be a lot of people in the short term who are keen to get out traveling, but the sector may not be fully geared up yet. Um, those planes which are, sit, are sitting in fields um, without pilots, it takes time to get those going again. And companies would be reluctant to uh, start commissioning or recommissioning uh, um, uh, infrastructure uh, because who knows, there may be another lockdown. Um, so it's going to be a very interesting picture in, in, in the short term of um, what moves fastest, uh, the demand or the supply. And I suspect that the demand is going to move faster than the supply. Um, and, and that probably will result in higher prices. 
So, uh, so this industry that has has had lots of problems and basically make, been making no money for the best part of a year now is all of a sudden going to see quite an influx. Is that right? Yes. Well, of course, many companies would have left. Um, they would have gone bankrupt. And we've seen airlines and tour operators um, who have gone bankrupt. Um, so, so there's going to be a, a relative shortage of capacity uh, in the short term. Um, and, and of course, that presents opportunities for companies to come in. Um, now, there is another interesting challenge here, um, because uh, we're not only talking about confidence of customers in coming back to a sector, but confidence of investors in, in travel and tourism. And a lot of uh, companies and backers of the tourism sector have been badly hurt by um, the, um, the, the, the pandemic. Um, it's not just for companies, but for guarantee schemes, for example, uh, like the uh, Civil Aviation Authority's uh, Rescue Fund, which has been depleted. Uh, so, so, and, and credit card companies are now much wary about um, uh, uh, <laughs> giving money to uh, travel companies, uh, because clearly if they go bankrupt, and in Britain at least, travel, uh, credit card companies have responsibilities to reimburse uh, customers um, who are out of pocket. Uh, so, so the confidence of invested in the sector is going to take some time to build up. And one of the big challenges um, is the possibility um, that tour companies may have to ring fence customers' funds. Um, so, so far, the sector's been great for cash flow uh, because customers usually book way in advance of going on holiday. The tour operator sits on that cash balance um, and, and then they don't pay their bills to hotels um, until some time later. Um, and that's working capital. If, if new regulations come in to uh, protect customers, um, then it's quite likely that companies would have to ring fence um, customers' funds, and that could put a severe uh, constraint on their working capital. You talked a bit about confidence there, and confidence seems to be one of the key things that needs to be um, earned, I suppose, re-earned in this new post-COVID world that's hopefully just around the corner. How do travel companies earn that trust? I think you're talking about two things here. There's a generalized confidence in travel. Um, and uh, tourists have uh, ranged from people who are, would only travel when everybody else is traveling uh, to those pioneers who are the first ones to um, uh, step foot into what um, may be quite dangerous conditions. Uh, you can think of people who are the first to go into danger zones um, or, um, or sites which have been the, um, the center of, of, of wars, for example. Um, so, so consumers vary in their appetite for, for risk. Um, uh, but, but then you've got to think about trust in individual companies. Um, and you see a lot of companies, tour companies now advertising the fact that they are protected by Atoll or some similar um, um, uh, customer guarantee fund. Uh, so, so I think customers are going to be a lot more wary of booking in advance. Um, they've heard stories of tour companies who've not given refunds promptly. Um, so, so they will be a little bit more cautious about specific companies. And uh, those companies who acted properly in giving refunds during the pandemic are probably going to add to their brand values, their, their, their reputation. Uh, others which have dragged their feet, um, they, they may encounter some more caution from customers before booking again. At the end of the day, do you think that's going to be outweighed by them, that brand damage that those industries that have dragged their feet, do you think that that's not going to matter because people just need so much more demand? 
Oh yes, there's clearly a, a huge wall of um, pent-up demand for, for, for tourism, um, and, and uh, in, in the short to medium term, um, people are going to want to get away. There's a very large segment, um, and we have to remember um, that what one consequence of a pandemic has been um, uh, the creation of more divisions within society. Um, we, we all hear about hardship cases of people who've been laid off, lost their jobs, and, and so on. But there's equally um, a very substantial segment of people who have never had it so good. Um, but, um, they've not, um, but they've still got their pensions or salaries. Um, they've not had to pay money um, on eating out. Um, uh, and also, they've not paid for a holiday for the past, uh, past year. Uh, so, so there's a wall of money which has been building up. Uh, and... Um, and household saving rates have gone up to something like 19%, um, which is historically very, very high. And, um, and the average amount of money accumulated is something like, last figure I saw was something like £1,700. Um, um, and, and so there's a wall of money waiting to be spent on, on tourism. Um, when we're talking about tourism though i mean a lot of those especially maybe uh, legacy brands or legacy airlines as it were i think uh, companies like british airways and united often work a lot on business travel and as the world has had to change the way they talk we talk about business and a lot more uh, conversations are happening as me and you are currently having this conversation on a zoom call or online or microsoft teams or whatever um do you do you think that business travel is going to come back as quick and if it and, and will it completely anyway yes it, it seems to be part of a conventional wisdom um, that we do things on zoom or teams now we don't need to travel uh, i've heard this story for a long time um, but my view is that business tourism isn't just a practical thing of, of getting the job done um, it may uh, be part of the perks of a job uh, and it may show status within organizations to be traveling uh, so i would expect there will always be a demand for business tourism. Um, people who have gone to online conferences will say they're not the same um, as mm. going to a real thing. You can't get as much done. Um, so it may be slower to recover and companies in particular may be more cautious about sending their staff um, to do overseas travel, um, but it will come back. And we, we've also got a very interesting paradox that um, doing things virtually or ha having virtual representations of phenomena might actually whet your appetite to do more. Um, you, you know, there's a, there a well-told story about when um, colour television came in and we were all able to see African safaris on television. And there was a stream of arguing, argument uh, but well, we can see it on television. We don't need to go there. It's a good substitute. But what actually happened, people saw it, say, wow, that looks good. I want to go there. So it actually triggered a lot more demand. So there could be an argument that as we're doing more things online, it's, it's just triggering um, that, that desire to want to go and see the real thing. The industry can bounce back, bounce back and there's riches to be uh, had for any company that can a weather the storm or b pioneer or or come up with this entrepreneurial way of mastering the new future you talked a little bit about those pioneer companies do you do you know what who who is what kind of companies are gauged to be in the right place at the right time with the right attitude to be those pioneers well, the tourism sector has had a rapid turnover of companies coming in uh, and those getting top heavy too bureaucratic and, and dropping out. 
Um, but just within the airline sector, we, we've seen high growth, low cost companies. Some have done well, uh, like Wizz Air, for example. Um, others have, 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 have fallen by the wayside. And, and, and you can think of, of Norwegian Air, for example, is, is in trouble now. Um, so so it, it's really um, a combination of spotting market opportunities and keeping your costs down and not getting overburdened by debt. Uh, so, so again, it comes back to confidence of investors um, in, 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 um, to our companies. So there is a few companies that have done really well that have cha changed the way that changed changed up the way they they're going about things. How how have certain companies? Have, what will the future look like for certain kind of tour operators? Do, with will cruise ships operate differently? Will airlines operate differently? Will hotels do things differently in future? And uh, how how will that look? Well, one of the complications is there's such a lot going on now. Um, so so um, cruise companies and airlines, uh, they're still going to be facing um, health and safety issues for some time. Um, we, we, we don't know what the carrying capacity of a cruise ship is going to be. Um, will there be a, a continuing need for distancing? And um, if the capacity of ships, the very large ships, which operators have invested millions and billions in, um, is, is going to continue to be limited, um, then their cost per passenger will go up uh, and, and um, that will change their business model. Uh, the other big thing which is happening at the same time um, which sometimes gets conflated um, with, with the pandemic is global warming and action on climate change and it may be that the fact that a, a lot of people have uh, gone without traveling for a year might provide an opportunity for governments to start putting new measures um, to, to try and uh, restrict um, uh, travel and tourism and that could have a, a long-term effect but it might be smuggled in almost under the guise of a pandemic. So the recovery of the sector um, from this crisis, is is it going to look like the previous crises? Is it going to bounce back in the exact same way or how is it going to bounce back? Well, we don't have a playbook for what's going to happen. Uh, we've had regional crises before, um, had sector crises before, uh, but this uh, uh, pandemic has been so widespread in its effects that there is no rule book for what is going to happen or what is likely to happen. Um, so, so it's also being conflated with a number of other factors. Uh, we've got Brexit on the one hand, for example, which is going to affect um, Britain. So there may be complications in obtaining visas, um, which, which, or there may be a perception from overseas uh, that Britain is now a hard country to get into. Um, so so that we've not had that before. Uh, and then the other big one is action on climate change. Um, it's quite likely that governments may start to introduce measures to restrict travel and transport, um, and it would be a building on the change, the enforced change during the pandemic. Uh, and over the long term, we're probably going to see more action by governments, which might have the effect of, of uh, increasing the costs of, of traveling around the world. So uh, we at Henley Business School um, are analyzing the business um aspect of this but we all rather enjoy a holiday and traveling so looking at this from the consumer's point of view what do you think is going to be what do you think it's going to be like for the consumer for the next one to five to ten years like is there going to be quite a different drastic change for them well, I think for the next year, and specifically for the coming summer, uh, there's still quite a bit of uncertainty. Um, we're, we're not sure uh, how easy it's going to be to travel abroad. Um, there, there will be restrictions on, on us traveling out and uh, other countries letting us in. 
and, and, and vice versa. Uh, so, so that might um, discourage people from booking now. Um, but all the signs are that the staycation is going to be alive and well this year. And there have been many reports of accommodation selling out already. Um, there will be spare accommodation because we will we'll probably have far fewer uh, international visitors uh, coming to see us um, and stay in Britain. Um, over the longer term, uh, assuming we get, we get out of a pandemic smoothly, um, then uh, but there will be um, the, the, uh, the early pioneers who will start traveling as soon as they can. And, and then there will be a longer tail of people who will wait until it's absolutely safe to, to go and everybody else is going. Um, but all the time we've, we've got this issue that capacity is probably going to be slower to grow uh, compared to demand. And we will also probably see increasing measures to tackle climate change, which will put costs up. So um, I, I think the longer term trend would be for travel and holidays to become more expensive. Um, I, I don't see any huge new technologies which are going to bring costs down um, as we've seen over the past um, 20, 30, 40 years. Um, so, so we might have to get used to paying a bit more for overseas travel. Does that mean, um, because obviously the lo low cost airlines are exactly that, they're low cost. I and mean, you just mentioned the, a rising cost. Does that, but does that cost just kind of shift with just how people perceive cost? Or d is that a problem for the low cost airlines going forward? What's the question of how much more can you take out of cost? Um, and I, I would argue that great innovations have already happened, um, both in terms of the technology of a plane and their operating model. Um, it's probably going to be difficult to squeeze a lot more um, out of their model. They'll probably get a bit more out um, on the basis of fuel consumption. Um, and in, indeed, this summer, fuel prices are still relatively low, and many of them would have been hedged at very low prices. So there's, there are still some low costs around. Um, but they will be challenged in, in, in future, I think, to keep that pattern of continual cost reduction going. You also mentioned there about staycations. Staycations is an interesting thing. Could we see a kind of um, a seaside renaissance kind of thing where is there, is there an opportunity for um, places that used to be the, the key to where UK holidaymakers went on holiday, places like Blackpool, places like Bognor Regis, places on the coast. Is there something for them? Is this an opportunity to, for them to strike while the iron's hot and start bringing people back to the, the UK seaside? And how do they do that if there is one? I think tourism is a lot more complex than that. Um, if you want to go and sit on a beach, um, then you wouldn't go to, well, your first choice, um, if you want guaranteed sunshine, wouldn't be to go to a British beach. You would go overseas. And, and you'd also get the experience of seeing something different as well. So I think there's long term, not a huge uh, um, uh, challenge there um, but, but, but British people will go to where the sun is and um, the British beaches will still be there. The great growth in British tourism has been into activity tourism for example um, and, and, and all sorts of niche tourism, adventure tourism, and gastronomic tourism, uh, walking tours, golf tours, music tours um, so that, that's been a big growth. Um, so I, I think it's unrealistic to say that we will go back to the old model of sitting on a beach in Britain as the main holidays. For some people, yes, of course, um, that, that will be, be fine. Um, but I think there will always be the desire to go and have a, two, uh, a couple of weeks breaking away to something quite different, uh, a guaranteed sunshine, 
Um, now, of course, if it becomes too expensive to do that and there are too many problems in doing that, then um, the, the beach holiday at home um, with its uncertainty about the weather, uh, that will certainly have a role to play. Over the last few years in the travel sector, there's been one specific story that has dominated uh, a lot of industry news, and that seems to be the Heathrow third runway. Do you see the slowdown with this and the the need to bring up the momentum again to be a nail in the coffin for that? Well, again, it, it's a very interesting question, but the answer is quite complex uh, because there are issues, first of all, of whether air travel in, in as a whole is going to increase. Um, I suspect it will probably pause for a couple of years, then it will start to increase again, especially leisure, um, leisure travel. Uh, but then the other question is, um, do we need uh, the extra capacity to be at Heathrow uh, rather than somewhere else? Um, and it may be that over the longer term, business travel will grow more slowly and, and a lot of uh, bad business travel may possibly be lost um, to, to uh, virtual means of communication. Um, uh, and Heathrow is, is more of a business airport than many of our, our regional airports. Um, so it, it's, it's going to be a really, really difficult question to answer, but don't write it off yet. Um, but maybe it's a question which needs to be revisited. So we've talked a lot. So we've talked a lot about airlines and a little bit about um, cruise ships, but one thing that uh, we haven't really talked about is hotels. How are hotels weathering the storm and what can they do as we leave uh, pandemic land <laughs> um, to bounce back? Well, of course, they've been badly hit um, and uh, on a number of fronts. Uh, leisure tourism has pretty much stopped. Um, business tourism, it's still going on, but in very, very small numbers. Um, but but um, hotels have historically adapted to changing trends. Um, when, when times are bad, you find marginal hotels closing down. The ones which have been struggling, they will be closed down, probably turned into flats um, or, 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 or knocked down. Um, it, it, there are uh, opportunities which come along for hotels every now and again in previous recessions. Um, some smaller, older hotels have been used as, as hostels, for, for example. Um, and, and another apparent opportunity which emerged this time uh, was for uh, quarantine. Um, um, with people coming in from some countries to Britain now need to spend uh, a period in quarantine in a hotel. So that's an unexpected uh, um, um, additional income stream for hotels. But for the summer ahead, it seems like the number of overseas visitors coming into Britain is going to be down. So uh, this will be offset by opportunities for the staycation. There's likely to be a, a lot more British people um, seeking holidays abroad rather than at, at home rather than going abroad. Um, so, so the marketing of hotels would need to target these people um, and, and recognise that overseas visitors are likely to hold back for another year. Uh, so. In, in short, hotels have had a hard time, um, and, but there is still a lot of scope for them to be agile and adapt to the changing circumstances. So thank you very much to Professor Palmer for speaking to me today. If you have any questions or feedback about the show, please email podcast at henley.ac.uk.